0: It is the most in-depth treatment of the reason we need the gospel. That's why it's there. The book of Ecclesiastes is not trying to tell us everything about everything. This book goes right at what the problem with humanity is. Why we need Jesus. And instead of saying, okay, here's part of the problem and you need Jesus. Here's part of the problem you need Jesus. Here's part of the problem you need Jesus. It just says, look, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. It's all diagnosis with no remedy.
1: Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What comes to mind when you hear this well-known phrase from Ecclesiastes? Most of us define vanity as self-admiration, but in this context, it means so much more. Frustration, futility, uselessness, all feelings that we've had in our struggles with life. Today, we'll begin to find out the remedy. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 1, with part 1 of his message entitled, Anyone Frustrated?
0: what is it that you really want i mean seriously what is it that you really really want i want you just to take a moment and just write down this is what i want this is what i want right now and and it's church so you can be completely honest on that page this is the thing that i really really want i want this we all have wants We call them felt needs. Every single piece of advertising that you'll ever see is trying to lean into those wants, whatever they are. What is it that you really want? Our desires, our wants are so strong that they drive us. They're powerful, those wants. I want you to think about this time last year. Try and remember what you wanted then. For some of you, you got exactly what you wanted. But you notice there's another driving want that's right there that you wrote down today. That's interesting, isn't it? That if you got what you wanted last year, today there's a brand new want. There's something that's driving you afresh right now. Some of you are still waiting for the fulfillment of the want from last year. You wrote down the exact same thing this year. But here's the thing. If you look at the things that you've wanted over time, what you will find is that when you get the thing that you want, normally it's unfulfilling when you get there. I don't know how many times as a pastor I've seen... People say, if I only could have a spouse, then everything would be so much better. Now, the people who are laughing are the married folks, right? (laughs) Each one of us has a drive to fulfill this life. And I'm here to tell you, that's not a bad thing. But what you'll find, what you'll find is that oftentimes, every time you get what you want, you realize you didn't really want it in the first place. And that can make life very challenging. That can make life very frustrating. That can make life bewildering, unfulfilling. And to be honest with you, that's exactly what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. That's what Ecclesiastes is all about. It's about a person saying, I am going to lean into every single want that I have. I am going to experience everything that I can think of to try and find meaning and fulfillment. And I'm going to find that everything except one thing leaves me still feeling empty. We've entitled this series, You Only Live Once, YOLO. Right before I walked out, I I did a quick Twitter search of hashtag YOLO, and I found things like, I ripped my pants at the bar, hashtag YOLO. Driving with the window open in January, hashtag YOLO. A couple of young ladies had selfie Sunday which is a picture of yourself, hashtag YOLO. Now listen, I didn't open up those pictures. Because when you only live once and you take a selfie on a Sunday, I don't want to know what that's going to look like. But the idea of you only live once, YOLO, it's, it's the evolution of the phrase carpe diem, which you guys know is seize the day. It became a viral movement, so to speak which is really encourages you to be courageous and brave. And it's also used to justify every stupid thing you can think of. You only live once. So people do dumb things because you only live once. Now, what's interesting about the phrase YOLO, you only live once. Some people say, oh, that's not true. You only die once. Well, it's actually the phrase is true. If you look at it in the sense of the book of Ecclesiastes, because The only life that you get to live once is the life that gets lived under the sun. That's a recurring phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes. You have one shot at this life with this social security number, with this set of experiences. You get one shot at this, go at it. Now, don't get me wrong. We know that you don't only live once because everybody's eternal. Everybody has an eternal hereafter. It's just a matter of where and how. But you can't say you only die once because we know the book of Revelation says that there's a second death that some people will experience. So all titles have their downsides. But we're going to spend our time looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, looking at what life under the sun looks like. So I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, we're going to take chapter one today. Now, if you're new to the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. It's right after the book of Psalms and Proverbs. Then there's the book of Ecclesiastes. So Psalms, largest single book in your Bible. Actually, it's composed of five books. But there's 150 Psalms. Then you have 31 Proverbs. And then you have this book of Ecclesiastes. Now, I want to tell you something about the book of Ecclesiastes that I think is going to be important. Now, any... Teacher will tell you, when you open up a new book of the Bible, you want to give everybody every single detail. But know what I found in my experience? That when a pastor gives you bullet points of details about the book, nobody remembers it. The pastor feels good about it. Nobody remembers it at all. So what I'm not going to do is give you a, a bullet points of details about it. I'm going to be weaving different things about the book of Ecclesiastes as we go through. But what I want you to realize is that the book of Ecclesiastes is the only book of pure philosophy in your entire Bible. It's a purely philosophical book. And if the Bible is the greatest of all books, then Ecclesiastes is the greatest of all philosophical books. And the book of Ecclesiastes is entirely pessimistic. It's entirely pessimistic. Now, you say, great, Fusco, we're going to love coming to church for the next couple months as we wallow in pessimism. But we have to remember that the book of Ecclesiastes is one book in the greater canon of Scripture. And so we're not going to study the book of Ecclesiastes divorced from the rest of biblical revelation, but as a piece of it. I'm here to tell you the book of Ecclesiastes does not proclaim the gospel, it doesn't. You know what it does? It is the most in-depth treatment of the reason we need the gospel. That's why it's there. The book of Ecclesiastes is not trying to tell us everything about everything. This book goes right at what the problem with humanity is, why we need Jesus. And instead of saying, okay, here's part of the problem and you need Jesus. Here's problem, the problem, you need Jesus. Here's part of the problem, you need Jesus. It just says, look, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. It's all diagnosis with no remedy. Because the Holy Spirit, when he inspired the writing of the book of Ecclesiastes, knew that the remedy would come in what we call the New Testament. But we are going to go straight at the frustration of being human. And we're going to do it together. But we're going to keep tying in the reality that Jesus did come. And he did live the perfect life. And he did die on a cross. And he did rise from the dead. So we're going to see the prescription, the thing that fixes everything. But we're going to let the book of Ecclesiastes be as pessimistic as it needs to be. Because only those who are sick have need of a physician. Isn't that what Jesus said? And maybe the book of Ecclesiastes might be the most necessary book for 21st century America because everyone just thinks it's all okay. There's no awareness of the existential dilemma that we find ourselves in as human beings. There's a a shallowness to the world that we live in. And let's be honest, there's a shallowness to our own lives because we're part of this world. But the book of Ecclesiastes forces us to look at things that we might not normally want to look at so that we might cherish our great salvation more profoundly than we ever did in our entire lives. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Do you realize that the book of Ecclesiastes is one of the favorite books of pessimistic agnostics like Herman Melville who wrote Moby Dick said it's the greatest book that was ever written? It's the first existentialist piece of writing long before Sartre's Nausea, Camus, Nietzsche. Before all that, there was the preacher of Ecclesiastes. I've entitled chapter one, this study we're doing, Is Anyone Frustrated? Let's jump in. Look at verse one of Ecclesiastes chapter one. It says the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? It's first three verses. Now, these three verses, when you read it, you just think to yourself, how frustrating. How frustrating. This preacher, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. Now, that word, this book has been commonly attributed to Solomon. I don't think it's a wrong attribution. It just doesn't actually say that Solomon wrote it. But the fact that it's the son of David, that he's the king of Jerusalem, we're going to find that he inclined his heart to wisdom. All these things point to Solomon, but it doesn't say exactly. This preacher, that's where the book Ecclesiastes comes from, the name. Because Ecclesiastes has the word ecclesia in it, which means a congregation. And so a preacher is somebody who addresses an assembly of people. And when you take that word, the preacher, and you move it to Latin, you get Ecclesiastes. That's where it comes from. It literally means the proclaimer, the person who speaks to the congregation. So... You have this preacher, and I'm here to tell you, all of us are preachers, but maybe not in the way that you think, because each one of us tells ourselves a story about our lives. Each one of us has a script that we run in our minds and hearts It's part of who we are psychologically, It's part of the way we were socialized. The thing that the world tells us Some of our scripts go something like You're no good You'll never be good Nobody loves you And even if they did It's because they're ignorant That's some people's script That's a real script Other scripts are I'm better than everybody Because I'm more handsome Or beautiful, skinnier More buff More education More wealthy That's some people's scripts Some people's scripts are I'm God's gift to the universe While other people's scripts might be The universe would be a better place If I was no longer here And those are the Polar opposites, right? And then there's every single degree In the middle We all preach a message to ourselves About ourselves What our life is and isn't Then you have the Preacher of Ecclesiastes He's going to tell us the way the world works. What it looks like for real. So you have this preacher. He's one of the kings of Jerusalem. So he's a kingly figure. And then verse 2 is rugged. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, what's unfortunate is when we think of the word vanity, you think of kind of like a a self-pride at an attempt at beauty. Like when you think of someone who's vain, it's somebody who looks in the mirror and says to the mirror, you're having a better day because you're gazing upon me. We think of vanity as sort of like uh, self-pride and beauty. But the word vanity in the Hebrew is significantly more nuanced than that. It signifies absurdity, frustration, futility, nonsense, uselessness. So this preacher has a message of It's all worthless, it's all useless, it's all absurd, it's all frustrating. Vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities. And then he says, all is vanity. Talk about a bummer, right? I mean, talk about a frustrating, can you imagine if I started the sermon that way? It's all useless, hopeless. It's a bummer, man. That's what he's saying. He's saying, life's a bummer. That's what he's saying. Now, you need to think about it this way. Is that this preacher is not the first person to talk about the absurdity or the uselessness of life. Listen to Psalm 39, verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. It says, Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. Surely, every man walks about like a shadow. Surely, they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. See, the the psalmist is saying, look, life is vain. You walk around like a shadow. Your days are like hand breaths. They're just... We have measured amount of time. And that's why I wrote is you know how frustrating, because you know you know what's it's terrifying about this reality that life's frustrating is that if we search our hearts we feel that don't we? There's an aspect to human existence that totally feels useless. It's frustrating. It's just yep going around again, going around again. Where does this all end? What does it mean? Am I really doing something of any value? It's the kind of question that we don't really want to ask ourselves or have to deal with it because it's a little bit too challenging. How many of you are going to wake up tomorrow morning and think to yourself, this is all vanity, this is useless? How many? Go ahead, you can raise your hand. Nobody's going to think about, nobody thinks here about their job. It's okay. A couple of people are like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm feeling that a little bit. you tell me all of you absolutely love what you do for a living? That's awesome. You're in the total minority, man. I'm with you, but it's like, there's a party that's like, really, this is it? This is life? There's an aspect that this preacher's got it right on. Why? Because notice what he says in verse 3. It's powerful. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? This is the whole premise of the whole book right here in verse 3. What profit? That word profit, it's a commercial term. It literally means profit. What kind of a dividend does man get from all of his toil and labor that happens under the sun? What do you, what's the payback? What is the return on investment for all the labor and toil? All the struggles of life, all the sweat off your brows, all the times you come home from your day and you feel emotionally and mentally exhausted, what does it get you? And it's all the days under the sun. That's this life that we're talking about. This is the life that you only live once. All the days under the sun. However many sun ups and sundowns God gives you on this globe, this is a book about real human life. In a lot of ways, the preacher of Ecclesiastes is a classic empiricist, he's a scientist. He's observing. The human experience, human life. What does it look like? What does it get us? All the work that we do, what does it leave us? It makes you think of Jesus who says in Mark eight thirty-six: for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus is saying, What dividend, what return on investment does a person get if they gain the whole world and they lose their own soul? Do you really win if you lose your own soul? And that's the question here. And the whole book of Ecclesiastes is going to be unpacking all the different ways that this preacher, assuming that it's Solomon, attempts to figure out what the meaning of life is. Most people struggle to understand the book of Ecclesiastes because it's literally a book of the testimony of a person who says, I'm going to try everything in order to find what the meaning of life is. I know what the difference between Solomon or this preacher and you and I is that this king has all the means to try everything. And as we go through this book, we're going to find him trying wisdom. The accumulation of information and knowledge. That's a big thing in our culture, isn't it? We're blessed to live in an information-saturated culture. The commoditization of information. Each one of us pulls out this little machine in our pockets. What do you want to know about? It's right there at your fingertips. We're embarking in America on the most educated generation in history. I remember when I was growing up, my parents said, listen, you need to go to college. What's interesting is my father didn't go to college because he just heard you have to go to high school. Once you get a high school degree, you get a good job. Now it's, you got to go to college. Now you young people, you're thinking about getting master's degrees, right? Because the average is college. Now, now you get a master's degree. You got to get a law degree or you got to get two and three master's degrees. Now what's interesting is in a hyper-educated environment, does anyone feel really excited about my generation leading our country? <laughs> <laughs> With all the education, what do we really have? We have information without true wisdom. Solomon tries wisdom. It's going to leave him hanging. Solomon is going to try pleasure. we are got to find out Solomon had Not only hundreds of wives, but concubines, which were women who he was having relations with who weren't even his spouses. He had access to the finest food, the finest of art, the finest of everything. He experienced all the pleasure possible. You're going to find it's going to be lacking.
1: Jesus is... Frustrating to toil and labor and in the end come up with nothing of value. In today's teaching, we were introduced to the book of Ecclesiastes. The message was one of frustration, coming from a place where it seems that everything is useless, hopeless. As Pastor Daniel said, the preacher was saying, Life's a bummer. It's true that our toil and labor under the sun won't return much, but life is a blessing. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Now, the next time you join us here on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue through the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll hear why we should keep the commandments as part of God's family. We are responsible to His authority. The preacher in Ecclesiastes understands what truly makes this life make any sense and what we can look forward to when we go through life without that meaning. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series in the book of Ecclesiastes next time. Until then, may God bless.